welcome everybody and welcome to another edition of Across the Pitch with myself, Dave Miller, Jose Nunez and Mike Pereira. We're all here you know, to discuss a pretty good week for the Union. I mean, four points out of, out of six, maybe could have won the game against DC, but I think all in all, the climbing up the table slowly. I think before kickoff last weekend against uh, Colorado, I think the Union were like 11th place and they've got, they were up to fifth at that point and you know, they're slowly climbing the table and we're hopefully going to see a sort of run that they ended the 2021 season with when they obviously got into the CONCACAF Champions League. So, fingers crossed, we have a really strong end to the season. We could be, you know, it's out of the realm of the possibility to say they could maybe sneak into that support shield race. <laughs> Dave, I like the optimism. I know Kevin Kincaid, Kevin Kincaid had mentioned that as well. You know, if right. the Union find their way into the supporter shield race soon... Does this past week kind of sparked that run? But also, really quick, want to say hi to Kyle from the one team we all agree on. Uh, hopefully, him and Jillian are having a good weekend and, and the night tonight. So, Kyle, thanks for joining us. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 been a very uh, weird turn of events here for the Union. Jose, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Thank you. I, I must admit, I was a little, I was a little surprised when Dave was taking the wheel here. I was like, "Whoa, whoa, this is great." He's back. He he just wants to drive. I yeah. love it. No, he's, I'm. He's 24 now. It's his birthday. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Dave. Dave for those. Thank that, you, guys. Thank you very know. much. Appreciate he's it. Taking, he's taking charge over here. Hey. Dave, can we can we share how how old you're turning? Uh, 24. 24. My God, to be 24 again, right? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, no, I'm doing well. You know, I think Dave, you alluded to it. Uh, Mike, you and I also talked about it, but four out of six points, it's not bad. You could argue that, uh, yes, we could have had six, but man, that DC United game was such a slog and we needed that win the way we did this past weekend. So uh, really excited to chat with both of you about it. Yeah, I um, oh, even just think about the Colorado match, right? You get three matches in, in a week. And you get seven out of nine points in that week, so it's 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 a productive night. I think all of us had said probably seven points would have been ideal over those three games. But Dave, I know you just caught up on a little bit on the Union match from this past Saturday. Um, I did you watch the match on Wednesday as well, or? Uh, so unfortunately, I unfortunately I did. So I made the big mistake of, you know. All social media off, and I thought I'd watch the game, and I was hoping, you know, it could be like a maybe a new would win. <laughs> and so, unfortunately, yeah, I, I I stayed blacked out for the wrong game and uh, put the nil nil. And so, yeah, because obviously yesterday, I was, as you both know, I was at Wembley watching non-league finals day, which was quite a cool day. Cheap ticket, twenty five pounds, watch two games at Wembley. Uh, cool day. So, ended up not being able to watch the Union games. I had an early start. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, look up, wake up in the morning, see it was a three 0 win. It was obviously a massive win. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately, I did catch the DC United game. Obviously, it was a weird game. I think yeah. the, my biggest my biggest takeaway from that game is they play a really really high sweeper keeper. Yes, <laughs> I had so many friends. You know, to that point, Dave, I had so many friends. But while I was in the stands at one forty, and Mike, you were up at the press box, so it was actually that was. Um, we can talk more about Margot's uh, photos later, yes. but. Um, that was the first time I was sitting in the stands and I got maybe three or four different text messages, me text, text messages asking me who the fuck do new who do they think they are for this goalkeeper to be Manuel, uh, Manuel Neuer, basically, you know, like just somewhere in between the box and the half field. It was just sort of, uh, you know, it was just sort of weird to see someone so far out and almost caught out of position two or three times. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's my former Teammate back from high school, Tyler Miller. Uh, I, I know I, I haven't talked to him probably since we I graduated high school. So when I was a senior at Eustis, he was a freshman and up and coming phenom for us at Eustis. He was playing goalkeeper as uh, as a freshman in varsity. So he's he's always been a, a great keeper, and I was I saw him almost get beat a couple of times. I was like, come on, <laughs> like, just <laughs> as much as I wanted to see him do well. Uh, also, you know, you know, that Falker. Elliot attempt was what inches away. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, I mean he he just barely missed the post. But also, Dave, Dave, you had another birthday shout out here in the comments. So we got just birthdays. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. coming in. So yeah, thanks for watching, Dylan. Yes, thanks for thank watching. You. Uh, I was going to say, obviously, listen to the commentary. Obviously, you get sort of a, a different perspective to being there, of course. And the commentators were pointing out whenever the union had a corner or like a set piece deep in the DC United half, that Miller was coming out onto the halfway into the union half and actually stood in the union half as that like, union were taking corners and stuff and it was sort of like and that was probably the one annoying thing that perhaps they didn't 
you know, train catched him out enough. I think there was one opportunity where he was well off his line and Flack could sort of run through, had like space in behind instead of Powers getting his head up and playing it. He tried to go for goal and just completely scuffed it like 30 yards wide. Didn't really do much. But I think, again, it was one of those things, perhaps maybe in the notes for next time, you keep an eye out on it and fingers crossed. I mean, it's a very risky thing, but clearly the way they've started the season for DC United in comparison to last year, it's somewhat working, I guess. Well, I mean, Jose, you and I went into the press box, the press room and, and in the locker room after the match, and Kai was visibly upset yes. after the game. Um, I, I know he shared his displeasures with basically the ball not going down the left side enough, um, their their lack of energy that night, their the fact that they trained a certain way and it just didn't come to fruition. He was very vocal, very upset. Um, but I know in, in just from rewatching the game and, and kind of seeing the highlights, you know, they were definitely pro- playing higher up defensively and, and almost baiting the union to just kick it, you know, to get a long ball to, to kind of beat them that way. But it just wasn't working. Nothing was connecting all night. And it just seemed like they were very much lost compared to what we saw against Colorado, as well as what we saw against um, the revolution this past Saturday. But I mean, Jose, from being in 140 and seeing from your perspective, what caught your eye from the DC United match? Uh, first and foremost, I think I've been one of the biggest critics of Leon Flock over this past uh, season so far. And we're talking about, what, 19 games at this point? Uh, probably, yeah, 19 games total, I think, including champions. So uh, a, a nice, I think, <laughs> uh, buildup of matches to make some judgments but i think it was totally serviceable both the dc united match and certainly new england where he kept a lot of people really really quiet uh meaning midfielders for the other team and uh we can talk more about new england but i thought he was totally fine that was one of the main main things that i got out of that game um i really think that kai's reaction and comments after the match were (laughs) i was almost taken back with how open he was about his displeasure displeasure you know like it was it was very noticeable being in the locker room or in the the kicking area right before the match um seeing his face just you know distraught in a way like what what is going on and and now looking back it almost gives me shades of what we're hearing out of toronto uh with a few star players over there not so happy with coaching and and the way that they're making up their roster uh but nonetheless, I think he's right. You know, I, that that DC game, I saw a lot of opportunities where the ball could have been switched and you had Kai with uh, maybe 10, 15 yards. But to Dave points over the past few weeks, his crossing, Kai's crossing has not been the same over the last, you know, at least this season, never mind, you know, what it was last year with double digit assists last year. Um, we yeah. haven't seen that, but we have seen certainly goal production out of him. So that's, you know you got to take what you can out of that. And I think a lot of us would probably prefer goals over assists, but nonetheless, in that position, you almost, you know, certainly want those assists, especially with how high up, up the field and man, how well that Saturday formation worked out for him, but we can go more again into the Saturday game later. Well, I think one of the things from, from Wednesday and Dave, just to kind of get your thoughts since we saw extended time from him, but uh, Joaquin Torres, I almost said Roger Torres, Joaquin Torres, um, uh, did not have a good match. Uh, no. it, it, he was, I think, the, the one moment that you mentioned with Tyler Miller being off his line where Torres was basically had a good chance to chip him from midfield, just completely whiffed it. Um, what did you think on Torres? I think myself, Jose, and the fans in general thought that he was far from productive overall. Yeah, I think the sort of the Christmas tree, the two attacking midfielders in the Christmas seat did sort of somewhat struggle to have an influence in the game. I think Gazdag yeah. did struggle up until they went to the two up front and went to the diamond and you saw him get a lot more involved. Um, but yeah, I think Torres as well, never player perhaps struggled to have a great influence. You could see there was moments there where he thought something could happen, but it just didn't come off for him. Um, yeah, it wasn't his best game. I don't think he started to life, you know, as well as perhaps we'd expected in Philadelphia. But I think it for a player like him, you're sort of hoping he can be like the El Senior, whether he goes three or four games without getting any minutes, and then you just know he'll come on and he can produce something magical. Whereas I think Torres perhaps is more of a player that needs to be playing consistently week in and week out, you know, to get in the groove and get himself going. Um, we saw that with Gazdag, obviously, the first year he came in, he was sort of in and out of the lineup, struggled for any consistency. And once he sort of settled down his place, and we've seen it in the last couple of seasons, especially, he's been arguably the most consistent player going forward. Um, so I think yeah, maybe it's just one of those things where he does need some. He does need to have the opportunity to actually get in the game 
to actually you know play a lot of minutes, but unfortunately for him, he's sort of in that role where he's either going to be relying upon injuries to get game time, or you know he's going to have to try and assert one in the front three who are all DPs on ridiculous money. So um, yeah, it's going to be. I, that's the sort of my opinion on things. I don't know what you guys think, but I just think he's one of those players that needs consistent game time, and I don't think he's going to get it in this team. Jose, how about you? What are your thoughts on Torres? I, I think Torres had a, a really, really difficult... I, I hate to use the word awful, right? Because who am I to say that he had an awful game when in reality I would not be able to even you know touch that grass <laughs> in real life? But as someone you know outside looking in, I don't, I don't know if... He just doesn't have the leg per se, but a couple of times that he tried to switch the ball, it just was so, so short to the point where I thought that he was aiming for someone else, right? You saw him coming in from the right, coming to the left, to the left, and then trying to get the ball over to Kai on the left wing. And that ball just not even traveling past the second man that he was trying to skip over. So uh, I think some of Kai's frustration maybe came from that, right? Having yeah. some of the having some of those switches not actually happen because the player who's trying to do them just maybe didn't have the leg. And to your point on the chip attempt by Torres, uh, even if he would have had the right form, which he was on the run, if I remember, and sort of scuffed it. I don't know that he has the leg <laughs> to really do it per se. Uh, but nonetheless, I think Torres, I, I, both of you are right. I think Torres is one of those players that just needs some consistent game time to sort of build that confidence and 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 build that understanding of the pacing and the timing. And and sure, Jim has talked to us about both Pere, uh, Perea and Torres having to adjust to the defensive side. It seems like Torres has done it better than Andres for whatever reason, since we still see very little of Perea. But nonetheless, I, I think Wednesday may have been one of those games that um, Torres may want to forget. And seeing him uh, walk out of the locker room. I, I was really sort of clamoring. Like, are you coming out to talk to the press? Because I don't think you want to. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. not a good, not a good game for you to talk to us. No, it's a shame in terms of just trying to seize your opportunity. I mean, if there was ever a week, a week or weeks to do it, it'd be now with the Union uh, Youth Nationals away. By the way, uh, Quinn McGlynn and Brandon Craig all started uh, in the first match of the U.S. Youth Wait. National Team, which was a one-zero win. By the way, so pretty cool to see them excel on that on that side of things but especially mcglynn with the additional game leading into it right yeah like he stayed an additional game with us so to for him to start right away i was kind of i was surprised i I must admit sorry to interrupt no no exactly and um oh eric's chiming in here in the best mick from rocky's voice he's a bum which i i don't disagree with that and eric says in all seriousness i think he tries to do too much like the rest of the team with too much passing and i agree there 100 percent i was about to say there was one opportunity Yep. right in front of the union box where he gets the ball. He does well to create some space and all he had to do was pass it. And he did not. And he turns the ball over right around the 18, which goes to Eric's point. I think he tries to do too much. I also think that, and I know, I think somebody online had mentioned this. I just think he's more natural from the winger position rather than trying to be a 10 in the middle. Right. Trying to, yeah. I, I just don't think it fits, but, but again, unfortunately, once McGlynn comes back, once Quinn comes back, his minutes are just not going to be there. And this might have been his chance. And honestly, I don't think he left the impression he wanted. Same with Matt Real. I think Matt Real had a chance against DC United to really put a strong performance. I thought he put a meh performance. He missed the best opportunity of the night, scoring-wise as well. Yeah. I mean, it's also unfortunate when your best scoring opportunities come from Matt Real and Jack Elliott, which is what Curtin highlighted as well. I mean, you just can't have that happen. So it was a night to forget. I, I do think that part of the travel back from Colorado, as well as them possibly overestimating DC and saying, well, we kicked the shit out of them last year. We'll just do the same thing again on Wednesday. And they just didn't. I think it was, it just didn't feel like they were up for the match, almost played down to their opponent. Um, but not, not, you know, regardless, it was still a one, a zero, zero draw. It was still one on the standings. And then they went to Saturday. When you play the revolution now, Dave, I don't know. You caught the highlights for that, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I was well, say, I'll, I'll, I'll make, make one point about, sorry, the, uh, obviously yeah. the game on Wednesday, one last point. Yeah. I'd be interested to see, of course, obviously, sort of, as you sort of mentioned, Matt Real wasn't probably be seen play at left back. He's not the most creative player going forward. He's a solid defender. He keeps it simple. He's a solid six, seven out of 10. He'll never let you down. Mm. I'm just thinking in these sort of instances, why didn't Jim push 
Kai up into a more of an advanced role and see what he can do there. We're even just trying to change the formation, go with a 4-2-3-1 and put Torres out wide on one side, Kai out on the other, and you have him in an attacking position. We've seen that he can strike a good shot. He can shoot. There were there were opportunities where Kai did get up, and I think that's where uh, you know his frustration came from. Where Real found himself with the ball, Kai making a very nice overlapping run after Real maybe tucked in a little bit, and Kai went up, and <clears throat> Real not having the honestly, it's game time because uh, Mike, you said it. There were a couple of times where Matt was caught in possession just because I don't think he has that metronome in his head built yeah. up over the years yeah. of playing like you have a a gas tag or a bedoya some of these players that hardly ever get caught with the ball a little too long though you could argue jose martinez get caught gets caught with the ball a little bit too much so nonetheless um i he had opportunities and and it's just it's just a bummer that this is what both torres and real displayed against uh a better than last year DC United team, but not a team that we should be tying at home. I think I do think that I don't disagree with that, Dave, because I think we saw against Colorado and we saw against New England Kai Wagner having more of that advanced position. And I do, I do agree with that. I honestly, I, and maybe partially because of the attacking presence of DC, maybe they were being more cautious having Kai just back in his natural position. But I don't think it would have been a bad idea. And honestly, I think we've seen already, we've seen more of Matt Real this in his past two months than we have in the past, what, three and a half, four years. And I don't think he's been bad. I, I don't. I think Matt Real has been a very solid, to your point, six out of ten, six and a half out of ten style player. He gets a job done. He does what he needs to do. I just don't think he was I don't think he was in the right position on Wednesday. He's the, the Warren Creval of this this roster right now, right? Just like he, he should be the Warren Creval of this roster, yeah, just coming and, in and shutting it down. And that and that's and that's fine. I think Real is is fine in that position as that you know what you're gonna get out of him, and as long as he's in the, the right spot, you know you're gonna get out of him, right? I, I um, think he's on a one year deal, if I remember. So this game time that he got just recently and whatever happens to the rest of the season may be his best chance to leapfrog somewhere else, if that makes sense. Because the last couple of years, he has been the odd sub or, frankly, I think grandpa at the Union, too, more or less. So well, you have to think, too, what Sorensen going to become for right. us. Yeah. So, I mean, just putting that out there about Real, I think that's just his contract situation. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know. He might be cheap enough to keep another year. I don't know. I, I, I would hope that this roster evolves a little bit more than it did this past yeah. season. <laughs> I feel like as well, I think like they are trying to like prepare him perhaps, or they're trying to prepare themselves perhaps for the inevitable Kai Wagner departure, you know, giving, you know, Matt Real more minutes this year, trying to play him a bit more versus that like, versatile, like, Offering more versatility, you know, we've seen him play at left wing back, we've seen him play the left side of diamond, we've seen him play at left back. And perhaps they are just preparing themselves for this season where being realistic, you really gonna have enough time to get in the Kai Wagner replacement in the middle of the season, who's gonna offer as much as Kai? Uh, probably not. So perhaps you know, getting that round minutes, getting him, you know, some familiarity with the lineup, the way that the team plays is probably I know it was sort of Mike said we haven't seen him much the last two, three years. I mean at one point, it looked like he was on his way out and he wasn't going to play for the Union again. And yeah. he could end up being the starting right back to end the season if Kai Wagner ends up leaving, you know, for Europe in the summer or whatever, or even at the end of the year. So perhaps, you know, they are trying to see what they got out of him now in yeah. case they need to chuck him in to the fire now as opposed to, you know, he gets to the summer, you haven't got enough time to, you know, to recruit and you're just sort of putting him in cold. Who knows, maybe that is the thinking or maybe just Jim's now suddenly got more faith in him because he's been there longer than certain of the players that have come in over over the uh, winter. And if we say we say like he's like old, you mentioned that the grandpa of Union too. He's only like what Dave's age, 23, 24. <laughs> and, and that may be the case. It just honestly and, and I think in kid. our in our group chat when we talked about it, I think I made the observation of like it really feels like Real has been around for a long long time, just not on the field. <laughs> He was, you know he, was on the, he was on the shield team. Yeah, I mean, and even yeah. before that, I think he was with us too. So there's yeah. there's that too. So yeah, um, I, I think your points are valid, Dave. I wonder if we're trying to prepare for two things, right? 
one, him be the replacement for Kai, which especially after Wednesday, I'm glad Saturday went the way it did, Mike, because after Wednesday, I would have been very concerned about Kai, you know, maybe pushing even further to get mm-hmm. things rolling in terms of his departure. Not that he's asking for it, but Rocky season interest. I think that we've heard over multiple months now about him being a target for Europe. And now that things are shaking, shaking out and, and who's staying up and who's staying down both in the premier league, but other leagues already interested to see what, what happens. But, uh, and then the other option is just flashing him out on the field, getting him minutes under his belt so they can, you know, so be a good steward for Matt to help him advance to his next position, wherever it is, whatever team it is. So it's, it's really, it's, it's a, I think it's, it can be both. I don't think it has to be exclusively one or the other. I I'm just intrigued to see what shakes out in the off season. Agreed. And Eric mentions uh, on Wednesday, we saw a bit of the 2023 uh, union. Well, Saturday was much more of the 2022 union. So let's segue into Saturday. You know, that's a good, that's a kind of a good way to begin to it. Two different teams we saw this week. On Wednesday, we had obviously A, and then on against the Revs was a much different uh, version. So, Dave, I know you only caught the highlights, but reactions to the 3 0 win on what you saw in the highlights briefly? I know you um, want to talk about Leon Flock a little bit, right? Uh, I was just said, obviously, how's his point a minute ago? Sort of saying, you know, he hasn't, you know, he's been solid the last few weeks. And I think, that's what I, was I know it's my birthday, but I mean, you have to be that kind. Um, I think, again, like, I feel like the first, last few games especially, like, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the thing that hampers Leon Flack is, is the fact that Jose is a really dynamic player in that six where he can carry the ball forward. And Whereas I feel like Leon Flack's pr- more of a basic, traditional six where, you know, he stays in there, wins the ball, keeps it simple, gives away the five-yard pass and just tries to keep things sticking where... And that might hurt me a bit, perhaps expectations there, but I don't really think Leon's really put a foot wrong the last few weeks. Um, get, get stuck in when he has to. His positioning has been better, I feel. I don't think he's been caught out as much. I think he's probably perhaps been playing a bit of a deeper role, which then allows the fullbacks to, you know, actually push forwards and, you know, do their thing. Um, but I was going to say another thing, which, you know, Mike, you've, you know, my agenda that Jose Martinez should be played as an eight. But again, you just see that he offers so much more on the outside as opposed to a Bedoya or even a Jack, no, just a Jack McLean. I wouldn't even mind seeing Jack McLean perhaps playing that deeper role where he can, you know, spread the ball around and he's got more players ahead of him to, you know, distribute to. But you just see that Jose just getting on the ball, taking a guy down the bike, taking the ball beyond the player, getting down to the byline and cutting it across the face of goal. Carranza should do better with the chance. But that's just something we haven't seen from an eight from the Union for a while. Like the player, we do lack that sort of. Mm-hmm. That ball playing ability, that sort of pace, that quickness on the ball, being alert, you know, willingness to take on the defender and get beyond them from an eight. We haven't seen that for so long. Like, that's why I just feel like Jose would offer more. And again, perhaps because he is in a bit of more of a wider position, we wouldn't see the spontaneous, you know, hit and hope shots we do see um, every week <laughs> as much as we love them. Would you say that uh, Martinez was brave in the moment? <laughs> Well, um, well, um, in terms of getting beyond the man or, or taking the shot from... No, I, I, I'm joking, uh, because that obviously, is, as we've talked about, that has been Jim's line over the last couple of press conferences. But I think you're right, Dave. I don't think... I, I can't recall outside of a, out of a Montero or a Fafa Pico, actually someone taking on a player like that in a long time. And obviously both, uh, I think one with... Houston and the other one in San Jose. So like it's been a little while since we've had a player actually take someone on like that. Cause it's, we talk about, you know, whether or not people have figured out the union and that question has been asked to Jim, I think countless times at this point. And it's sort of the same thing, right? Like drip, take it up, let Bedoya get wide. Maybe Mbizo does a, an overlap run or get it to Kai a little bit earlier. He crosses it in and hope that somebody does something. Yeah. Um, that you're, man, to see yeah. that as someone, and I actually as the only one of us that was on the, uh, at the stadium, uh, on Saturday, as soon as Martinez did that, you sensed that there was some like pep and, and excitement to the crowd, right? Because we finally saw somebody take somebody on and do something exciting and fun. Never mind Carranza booting it. I, I think it, I think it exited the stadium actually. So like over by where like past the, past the, past the actual seats Fuck into yeah. sort of like the Subaru sign where the Tifa would technically lie down before they pull it up. 
Um, but I, I can tell you that the crowd absolutely loved it uh, as soon as that happened. And, and there was that sense of excitement. Well, yeah. And we also saw the formation. I think all of us wanted to see. So we oh had, my God, it was you know, beautiful. The, we had three center backs, which we've basically been clamoring for. We had Kai and Olivia in the wings. Um, but so essentially what, what Jose kind of hinted at with the joke was Jim Curtin has been saying over and over again, the team needs to be braver, right? We need to be braver in this attack. We need to be braver in this game. And it's at one point, at what point is it, well, when does this bravery start? I do think that he alludes to the bravery from Leon Flock and Jose Martinez on Saturday because they know that Jack, Damian, and Jacob can handle somebody one-on-one if they need to. To Curtin's point, says you don't want to have that happen all the time, but you know that they can do it in brief stints. So with that, it allows Leon and Jose to then be more aggressive. Um, it, it, also from Jim Curtin's press conference, he mentioned the first 20 minutes of Leon Flock again on Saturday. So I watched the first 20 minutes again. Um, and I agree. I think his passes were simple. I think his pressure was effective. He had one moment, which I mentioned the report uh, on AAT Sports Network, in the 12th minute, he perfectly intercepts a pass. He pushes it down the field. He gets a shot off at net. It causes a shot from Daniel. And then he recovers a rebound. He passes it to Olivier. It was all the little things done correctly. He wasn't trying to be doing too much. He knew his role in that moment, and he did it very well. I thought Leon played well. But, Dave, as soon as I kept seeing Jose going down that right side and just being active, like this, <laughs> is, this is exactly what Dave has been calling for for years. And to the point that Jose's making, where whether they figured us out or not, a formation like that is what counters that. You don't know how the union are going to attack or you can attack differently when you're in a formation like that, when these, when it's not predictable every single time. I was very pleased with it. Um, I thought Jose Martinez played phenomenal. I thought he was extremely active uh, from, from beginning to end. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I think it's been a bit frustrating. I think obviously Jose, you'll probably know, realize this as well. And obviously when Jim has spoken about bravery and seeing bravery from other players, it's yeah. the most frustrating thing for us is the fact that the most brave player in the entire team is the guy that's meant to be holding the fielder, which is probably supposed to be the least brave player in the team, the most, yes. <laughs> the guy that is meant to keep it simple. And we see it so often, I think, of course, we shot in the MLS Cup uh, final last season against NAFC, where he tried to, you know, get, uh, you know, tried to, you know, take the ball out from the penalty area, lost it in the giveaway free kick, saw it in during the Club America game. And I just sort of feel like if he did put him out in that eight, he could have... Drumming, he would have perhaps more flexibility to, you know, try, you know, play with his back, you know, facing to goal and trying to turn and work his way up, as opposed to doing it on the edge of the penalty area where you've got a direct shot goal, there's more space, as opposed to on the right-hand side where they've got to move the ball inside. And I just think, again, even if we, you play that same formation, a 3-5-2, you've got the holding midfielder in there or whatever, um, I just feel like it gives you perhaps, even perhaps allows you, you know, to perhaps play Jack McGlynn a bit more, a bit deeper, so he then has more players to pass. So he's got the full view of the pitch. He can play the ball out to the wing backs. He can play. He can play it simple. He can play into the feet of the strikers. And Jack McGlynn has more of the pitch. Has more more of a canvas to work on, as opposed to being isolated on the left and always got Sky Wagner on the overlap, and then perhaps the back pass and and the switch, or whatever. So I think it's definitely offers. It's a more versatile formation. It allows you perhaps you know as opposed to you know, playing with the diamond and playing Jack McGlynn at six probably isn't the brightest idea because if you get caught in the counter attack. No disrespect to Jack, I feel like he would be the easy target. If you're in a three-five-two, you've got the three players back there, and Jack can obviously drop in and sort of make it a sort of a faux-four where you know perhaps it allows two of the full backs to split out, well, two of the centre halves to split out wide to the full back, and Jack can sort of you mm-hmm. know, come in at left centre back, so it's more cover. Um, but yeah, I just think again, I think three-five-two works. Obviously, I doubt Jim will move to it full time, but I just think in terms of certain games and how the pattern of play goes, it allows you to perhaps be a bit more versatile yep. with the passage of the play and perhaps that is what helped on helped on the Saturday night after the nil draw they saw the weaknesses at half time there's perhaps made adjustments with Gazdag further forward and you know it it has endless possibilities. Jose Habi what are your thoughts? That I think your point's right. Martinez had an incredible game. Let's also and I know I've been a big proponent of him, but Damian Lowe also had an incredible game yeah, uh, in New England uh shutting a lot down. But that 3-5-2 formation, a couple of things that I noticed uh, in the stadium, 
a far more agile and, and speedier formation, allowing players to be, you know, I, 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 I there was not a Bedoya per se that, that would kind of not, you know, move around as fast as other players. There was a lot of agility in this team. It wasn't as rigid per se. I, I really liked that. It was, it was very malleable per se to the point that, you know, I love the, the, the three in the back and then the five in the middle where you saw sometimes some movement where suddenly Glessness is the right back and then Kai has shifted back. And then you have the Elliot and Damian Lowe as center backs just to kind of the build of the play was coming up the right side. So Glessness is coming up that side. Let's, you know, shift over or Kai, go ahead. So I, I really like the flexibility of that <laughs> of that formation, but I'm fully expecting to not see it uh, unvaulted for a little while, maybe like 10 games from now. We'll finally see it again, <laughs> you know, but I hope not. I, I, I think. I think there are a lot of positives out of that. I wasn't able to listen to the press conference, but it sounds like Jim was a happy man and and he alluded to doing the small things right. And that's exactly what a lot of players that needed to put up a performance did that evening. Um, and I'm just so glad to see Ua's knee is okay after speaking with him um, post game on Wednesday. He he had a he had a great game um, against especially someone as as seasoned as uh Farrell for New England. So I, I was so, so glad to to see that he was healthy and was able to provide a lot that day. Yeah, a lot to unpack in terms of the, the second half of the New, New England match, as well as just little things that were done. So Curtin, again, mentioned the press conference. Uh, doing the simple things correctly will produce the goals that we saw on Wednesday, or Saturday, rather. Um, he also talked about Ali Bedoya. For those of you who could not catch the match, Alejandro Bedoya was not in the lineup, nor was he on the bench. He mentioned that during training, he had a grade one quad strain. Now, Curtin kind of alluded that it could be scar tissue that just is causing this issue. It could be something obviously you knew that he he, he strained in in training. So they're going to be cautious with Bedoya. But now you begin to think of the depth issues that we have, right? Well, I guess not the issues, the the good problems that we have. If you were to use this formation moving forward, which I think everybody right now wants to see because the diamond just isn't working right now. How does Bedoya fit into this, Dave? I mean, how do you put McGlynn into this? Does is Leon Flock, you know, put to the bench for McGlynn? I mean, what do you what do you what do you think here, Dave? Once Bedoya comes back around, well, anyone is droppable for Bedoya clearly. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound really batshit crazy in left field, and perhaps <laughs> sorry, this, is good, this is going to sound perhaps batshit crazy, maybe really left field. I'd be intrigued to see perhaps Bedoya play right centre back in the back three. Mm-hmm. He's done it. He's done uh, it. Just impromptu. Like. Impromptu. I'd be interested to see what that could do because I mean we see it so often where you know teams do the overlapping fullback, uh, overlapping centre backs, which saw Sheffield United do in that season, couple of seasons in the Premier League, and it's become more of a trend when teams play back three with the centre backs being more advanced on the outside. James Milner. That's that's a perfect analog in a way, you know, an older player yeah. moving from midfield to a defensive role Defense, that yeah. yeah gives them some some slack in that of how much work per se. It sounds crazy, but I mean, if Jim wants to be that versatile and say, look, okay, you have that freedom to go forward as long as I don't say Flack drops in or Bizo perhaps drops in, or you know, if the team is playing extremely cautious, you then get that man extra going forward. Perhaps that could be something that Jim maybe looks at in the future. Of course, I highly doubt that would happen. I feel that Bedoya's, if he's fit, he'll probably play. If it is the 3 5 2 that we're discussing, he'd probably play in the on flats position. Um, but yeah, I think it's certainly him playing a right centre back perhaps makes more sense. And then, you know, it allows you to have that versatility and more legs in midfield while Ali, who, I mean, fair play. I mean, it perhaps would be best thing. He wouldn't, he's still, he's not the quickest, but he's not. Extremely slow, they still got he's still got a bit of pace about him. Because, so maybe that maybe it would work perhaps on the right side of three and he has more freedom to you know do his thing, Jose. Your yeah, thoughts on that? <laughs> you know, I, I, I think Flock is probably the the it's the easiest answer, right? Flock out Bedoya in for, for a formation like this, and yeah. you know, we we go back to my point of the rotation, right? Being able to cover for one another, especially in the run of play. Offensively, it's a little bit easier than defensively, but, um, you know, I think Bedoya could be great at sort of guiding from the back forward. Uh, obviously, he's a captain and he's vocal and, and 
sure, uh, you know, he comes off, the armband goes to Blake, and he's vocal. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think Bedoya could probably do a lot of good work out of there and, and sort of shifting up, shifting down, I should say, his role. But the McGlynn question is really interesting to me, too, um, because I don't know who goes in or who goes out, I should say, for a McGlynn in a situation like this, um, especially when you're talking about bodies that need to get game time I'm, I'm guessing maybe he comes in for a daniel gas tag but certainly not on a zero zero match no um so uh, and he's not going to replace martinez in his work rate and he's we're not going to take out an advisor or a wagner for this so I, I don't i don't know where he fits in on this it's it's it's, See, it's tough damian lowe's production has made this formation very much a harder one to crack into if you are McGlynn, if you're Leon Flock, even Bedoya, if you want to argue Bedoya in terms of quality of play. Um, it's a great he, problem. It's a No, it's a phenomenal problem. The reality is, is Jack and Jacob next to each other has been far more Jacob being pretty good and Jack being eh. But I think all of us have agreed upon recently in the chat that Elliot's been playing better lately. And I wonder if part of that is Damien's play as well. And I think all three of them played well on Saturday. And it's like, if they're all playing well, they're obviously competing for the same positions. Put all three of them in. It, it, it's only mm-hmm. benefiting the team when having that quality play. And, and to Curtin's point, yes. Do you want your center backs to be one-on-one all the time? No, of course not. But the reality is you have three very strong center backs. Why not use that to your advantage? You know, you, you don't have to worry about someone like Brandon Craig, who's just not experienced enough being right. on that island by himself. Um, but, so yeah, to be fair, a, to be ahead. fair on on Saturday's game, we did sort of luck out with yeah, uh, the bit. injury with uh, Carlos Gill early on, just to be fully, you know, fully cognizant of how that maybe reshaped the game a little bit, right? Someone like Gill is very—is it Gill or Jill? I think it's Gill, right? I think it's Gil, yeah. Okay. Carlos Gil. Someone like him who has been an MVP of the league in the past and and really the you know the metronome of that team and it's very, very hard to replace, especially early on. So I just wanted to acknowledge that as something that was maybe game changing in a way, though I think he lasted what, twenty two minutes, Mike? I can't remember when the injury happened. 35th, it was fifth, I think. Thirty fifth minute, okay. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um but I also don't want to forget to say it. Um I had mentioned for Wednesday's match just how concerned I was for Jacob Glesnes having to go against a Christian Benteke. Yeah. Not a doubt in no. my mind after that game. Oh awesome. my gosh, he did well against them. And sure, there were some moments where Benteke was Benteke and he, he you know, <laughs> did his thing and, and was, a shi- was a shining example of what, you know, DC United could do. But Overall, I just wanted to make sure I comment about I commented about that because Glesnitz yeah. really again I I know he just signed a new deal, but after a performance against a Christian Benteke like that, I I think it raises a lot of eyebrows. There was one moment in that match where it was closer to the sideline where the box is, and uh, Glesnitz just plows into him. Mm-hmm. Benteke hits the ground. He looks at him like this. He kind of raises hands like, "What are you doing?" He did a lot of that. <laughs> we do on the ground. Like he, it was such a like you know, I'm not going to be afraid of you type of moment yeah. from Glessness. And just, it was just really cool to watch. No, I'm glad you mentioned that because again, I think, I think everybody's in agreement that Glessness has been playing very well this year, but I mean, he's, he played, he's been playing really well. Can we talk about uh, our, our man, Thomas, how, how proud he should be of yes. their Ua throw in. Yeah. So uh, let's go to the goals. Thinking. I think that, that's a good, that's a good segue here. So the first goal of the game uh, for the union was started by Jose Martinez. So he gets the, um, that was the first goal, right? The I, Gless, the Gaza goal. Yeah. The hockey assist. Yeah. 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 So Jose Martinez has a beautiful tackle right around the 18 of the union box. He, he leads to, it leads to a um, throw in from Michael Ua, but, as we saw from Thomas Gronemark with a quick throw in, which I know he is a staple of his training methods. It was a quick throw. Daniel one times and boom, right into the back of the net beats Petrovic just barely on the, on the inside post. Uh, Dave, your reaction to the goal. I know you've seen it probably a bunch of times now. <laughs> Eight um, minutes worth. <laughs> yeah. Right. As you sort of said, you know, being quick on the throw and noticing that, you know, you would typically, I mean, in that sort of situation, you'd wait until your fullback comes up, you know, to be alert to, you know, quickly take the throw and get the ball and play quick. Well, you know, they they are in position. They are 
you know, there's definitely not in position. It allows Daniel to cut inside and has more space to shoot. And it was a great finish. I think when I first saw it, I thought maybe the keeper could do a bit better. I think, you know, it was it's near post. But if you look at how much, look at how powerful that Gallastag strike was. I mean, <laughs> goalkeeper would have done extremely well to have kept that out and to, you know, to have hit it right into the inside of the post and to, you know, have it bounce across the line, giving the keeper no chance. It was a great finish. And I'm just delighted for Daniel, you know, to get off the mark from open play. I think that's probably the biggest talking point in terms of the three goals. And obviously, as we move on to the uh, other two go- other two goals as well, I sort of feel there's a, another sort of good positive talking point as well in terms of the four, the four forwards that actually played, mm-hmm. that actually yeah, featured in the game. It was quite, I mean, to get ahead, it was good to see all four guys actually contribute to goals, even Chris Donovan, who the last two weeks has come up with a goal and an assist. It was good to see everyone chipping in and perhaps gaining some confidence. Yeah, Jose, what are your thoughts on the goal? Um, early throw-in, yeah, giving a man like Gazdag the, whatever, six yards in front, left, right, and back, it's just, it's a very dangerous proposition to any one team, especially any one defense, uh, that I, I think we also need to give credit to Ua uh, being strong, especially with a feral chasing after him on the sideline. Whether there was a shove or a push, I don't know. He stood his ground. Quickly picked up that ball, threw it in. Great job. Again, Thomas <laughs> probably smiling from far, far away. Uh, I, I sent him a quick message and <clears throat> tagged him to the video, and I think he was very happy to see that. So, um, And kudos to him. His his Liverpool contract just ended, so I, I know he's probably going to be on to bigger and better things anyways, but just very happy for him to have gotten the exposure he's gotten. Um, but then following that was the penalty kick, right? Uh, Mikel Ua working very hard. Uh, and having just beaten Farrell again gets the the call, uh, which was surprising to me considering how earlier there was a very similar foul like that in our box for New England. So I was very surprised that the referee called it. It, it almost felt like a home field advantage type of call, to be completely honest with you, because if you rewind and watch the opportunity that New England had and the foul that could have been, it was identical. Uh, yeah. So I was I was very surprised to see that end. Daniel not missing from the PK right now, and I, I knock on wood that I didn't just jinx it. But uh, yeah, it's great to see him from open play, but also to see him continue to do it from the penalty kick. I'm not ashamed of that. Yeah, I think one of the things to highlight as well was the fact that how nice those two long passes were from both Daniel to Ua for the first mm-hmm. goal, as well as Glessness to Ua for the second goal, the lead up to the second goal. So I think you have to kind of take that into consideration that we didn't see that on Wednesday. We didn't see that, that precision on Wednesday as no. we saw on Saturday. So it, listen, Daniel's been doing well. I, I know we want to see open the open play goals, but to have a goal like that is uh, I'll take a PK any day of the week, man. It's, it's fine with me. Um, but Dave, uh, go ahead for the next, the third goal or Jose, a third goal with Chris Donovan there. Yeah. Was that, was that a Chris Donovan interception that bounced to Julia Carranza who then passed it back to Donovan, right? And then <laughs> it was a tap-in by Julian Carranza at the far post. I think all in all, again, giving us some glimpses on what we can expect from a Donovan, though uh, it may be difficult for him to replicate a nutmeg assist <laughs> inside of the 18-yard box. So um, your thoughts on that goal, Dave? I, I thought it was, again, I, I'll take any goal, but... Uh, especially when we have different forwards uh, putting them in the back of the net is just always that much better. Yeah. I think again, as you said, it's good to see everyone again, good to see your forwards putting the ball in the back of the net. And it was just, I mean, it was good to see, you know, Donovan, you know, getting on the ball and being confident to actually take it forward. And perhaps, you know, we perhaps would have seen, we can get this head up and looking to see the spaces. We've seen it so often this year as we're getting those, the team gets in those positions and Gazdag either carries on going and tries to shoot, doesn't get his head up. And, you know, good selflessness from Donovan because he has pace. He's a quick play. He could have easily thought to himself, I can get, if I can get beyond this man, I can go on and score here, which... He was that god. He was selfless enough to put the ball through to Carranza. I just think it was again. I just think it's so. Good. I think I said it. I mentioned it in the uh, Chicago game. How all three strikers, all three attacking players, contribute to goals. Mm-hmm. It's all the same here. Obviously, Carranza scored one. Daniel scored two. And even Chris Donovan says it just creates confidence. It creates more of a connection between players, and everyone's getting involved. And I know perhaps Mikhail's, uh, um 
not been as heavily involved in games as he has been this year, but, you know, as you sort of said with Thomas and the throw-ins to be that aware in that situation, because you'll see it so often, the player will pick up the ball and then they'll slow it down and they'll give it to the teammate to notice that the union have that overload. They have the, perhaps they have caught them out. And we saw it last week, we saw it there in a few weeks ago as well. I think it was the, how was it? I think it might be the Minnesota game, actually, where obviously I think there was a player down off the pitch. The mm-hmm. union were sort of expecting the game to be stopped. They carried on and scored from the cross. <laughs> that was Taurus, unfortunately. Yeah, it was um, you know, a very, very similar situation. And union took advantage at this time. It's good perhaps to have that awareness to realise, okay, we've got a good position here. Let's jump onto it. And that's perhaps Mikhail's footballing brain coming into play there, where, you know, he knows that, look, we've got a player on. I can do this. And that's sort of perhaps why they have brought him in because he's not only you know, a goal scorer who you know, can take his chances when they come to him, he's also got that footballing brain which, you know, he can make those quick decisions and he can, and again, he's got, as you sort of said, he's got, he's got that turn of pace and he's not afraid to take on defenders for the penalty. Uh, when he won the penalty, of course, he said it was six or one and a half a dozen the other, maybe a home call, but yep. you've got to you know, be willing to try and take the contacts or you've know, got to be willing to try and take on the defender to win the penalty. So, I mean, Everyone, everyone's doing their role, everyone's contributing in perhaps you know, three, four weeks, five weeks ago, we weren't saying that. We were all complaining that we weren't getting enough of our forwards. Now, over the last few weeks, we were getting more and it's it's good to see. It's a positive thing to see. One thing one thing to also remember as we think about Jim's comments, both uh, after Wednesday's match and then leading into for uh, Saturday's match, and I can't recall if you mentioned it on uh, post-game on Saturday, but the press does not work if the front three are not doing it as well. They're the first yeah. line of defense. So something I noticed being in the stadium was just how, again, the press was sort of present once again. You had a Carranza and Ua taking up those those different spots and Gasek shortly or, or uh, right behind them, eating up some of those spaces and leading to New England, um, coughing up the ball where maybe they shouldn't. So uh, – it gave me a lot of hope to see more of the 2022 union when you have a press like that finally back, because I think we all predicted that something like that was going to be so critical to the way that the union play. You know, we don't, we don't play a possession driven game. We play a, let's make them cough it up in their half and let's just go at them and bite them when we are counterattacking in their own half. So uh, I'm, just something to notice, especially as we look to uh, a weird New York City FC game over at City Field. <laughs> yes, it's. I mean, City Field. I, Jose, you're not going out for that game, are you? I am not. Okay. I, I I actually started the beta taking Raphael, but I I it's it's a hike. It's it's a trust me. It's a long it's a long day, especially if you get stuck in traffic coming out of the city. Yeah, you're, you're going to be there for three hours. Yeah, it's the New York City FC game. I don't know what to expect from this year. I feel like we, we've kind of hinted at this earlier in the season from just our chats that they're not the same NYCFC team we've seen in previous years. Now, I'm curious because of the size of the field, what formation we use, especially if Bedoy's out. Do we go the same formation with the, the three in the back? I mean, Dave, what do you, what do you think benefits the union the most in a small venue like that? Dave, I think your mic's off. Jose, I'll go shoot to you first, Jose, while Dave fixes mic. No, yeah, thank you. I, I, I'm intrigued to actually ask, get the opportunity to ask uh, yeah. Jim at the press conference of, you know, how do you prepare for a game like this, right? Yeah. Do you just have the guys play futsal? Because that's basically what it becomes, right? When you put in 22 guys in a space that's small. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see both what you're mentioning and that in terms of the formation because if you have this three five two and then you throw in i'm guessing new york maybe a four four three i don't think that they've been very inventive with their formations over the past year or so especially after letting go of tati castellanos and um uh haber i think he's out in seattle now i don't think that they've been too uh creative with that so i'm 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 interested to see how they get prepared for this and and how it all shakes out though Let's not forget that they still have, I think, what could be a very incredible player in that of Talis Magno. I think he's always yeah. going to be a threat um, and, and has been over the last few years. Maybe some injuries that got in the way. But ultimately, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how we shape up for something like that, especially if the captain's not available. 
as you saw in the comments, Eric just mentions he doesn't care about the homeless pigeons because you're right. They don't have a home right now. But <laughs> go to uh, Dave, your thoughts. Now. I can hear you yeah. perfectly fine. Perfect. Apologies for that. Um, yeah, I think, to be no, honest, I think in this sort of situation, you're going on the road, a bit of a like, you know, local derby. Why, why change Why change your winning formation? Why don't you go probably the exact same team that, you know, was so successful in the last game against a New England team that up until this past week has been in really good form uh, in league in the league anyway. We'll discount their defeat to Pittsburgh, uh, but in terms of league play, they've been very consistent over the last few weeks. You know, picking up wins. I think the only real defeat they've had uh, throughout the, most of the season is <laughs> absolutely spanking by the FC. So I think you know they've been in really good form to start the year. Um, so again, why, why not change it? You know, everyone contributed. Everyone seemed to have worked in that formation. So why not go again? I know you're going on the road. So, I mean, you perhaps you have that more defensive cover with the back three, back five. Um, so, yeah. And I'll just add to that as well. So, as I sort of said with NYCFC, you know, they've lost a lot of players in, you know, over the course of the back end of last season and this year especially. Um, so, yeah, not, they haven't been the same team. They have the same attacking sort of spark and threat, you know, with that Castellanos, Heber, and, you know, you sort of see Pellegrini in sort of, Talis Magnoa, sort of the main two sort of talisman, the two dangermen, they haven't really been able to recreate what they have produced in recent years without, you know, the players I just mentioned alongside them. So, you know, no, no disrespect to them. NYS, NYCFC is going to be a difficult game. Regardless, it's a road game in the MLS. It's always going to be tough. So you're going to, and it's, a, it's a derby, isn't it, really? I think both teams don't like each other. So it's a derby, you know. Yeah. I think we'll always remember the twenty how the twenty twenty one and season ended. That would always be sort of a that that sort of also be a a black cat in union in the union's mind in terms of you know a horrific memory that you know just which will you know always get people rolled up and I'm sure the travelling fans will have that in the back of their minds, you know when. They do travel there, you know. They'll give them extra incentive. Want to see the team win. So fingers crossed, you know. It will, you know, push the union on. Hopefully, you know, put off the win and you know carry on that roll of roll of wins and well, they run of results and push them higher up the league table. Yeah, um, and was speaking of the 2021 team, you know, Stuart Finley was actually in the building on Saturday. I forgot to mention that he was the drummer on Saturday. It was okay. good to see him back in town. I know he's. Love this time in Philadelphia to see him, you know, probably visiting old friends and just kind of visiting the city again, which is always great to see. But, you know, I, I know we've been talking about Bedoya this past hour. Um, I wonder if, if healthy, if Bedoya maybe plays in Leon's spot, if you want to use the same as Aquamation. If Leon is, if Bedoya is not healthy, my only concern is having Leon with the ball in those tight spots in, mm. in, in a field like that where you just do not have the freedom he had in Super Park when you have a little bit more space, when the defender is not as on top of you as you normally would see. Maybe that's where Andres Perea would be coming into in, in that picture because he is just more controlled on the ball. Don't um, tease me like that. I know. That's Don't tease. tease me like that. <laughs> so sorry. That, was not, that was not right of me to do it, to, to just pretend for a moment that it made sense. Um so I don't, I don't know how they're going to switch because I, I do think as much as Curtin likes the 4-4-2 diamond, he has been saying now a few times that on the road he wants to see that new style formation. The, the change of field, though, just is what concerns me the most. That That's more so my thing. I mean, Jose, what do you think of that? I mean, let's not forget that we're going into, yes, I think a difficult – this is our very first time uh, – playing in city field right it's always been at yankee stadium yes that's correct and valerie says hey big Stu." yep thanks for yes. joining us valerie appreciate it uh to your point on Stu, by the way uh, that stadium was so loud when they figured yeah. out who it was i tweeted a little bit earlier not as early as other guys when i finally realized who it was gonna beat the drum but um that, that it was very apparent that we still miss Stu and his legendary performance in the 2021 Eastern Conference Final at home, the COVID game, was was awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and let's not forget, we're going up against, and I think this is where we can be continue to beat the Jim Curtin drum of being brave and being bold, right? We're going to a 10th place New York City FC game. Let's not pretend like they were having the season of their year, yeah. of their life, I should say. This is a team that has allowed 16 goals and a goal differential of negative one, right? So 
this is not a game that we should be I should be I'm correcting myself now but you know a tie at minimum but I think that this is one that we could win though the field I think is going to be as much of a character as the referees and maybe some players are in a way too so I I I hope it works out our way I I just want to reiterate this is not going to Cincinnati this is not going to Nashville this is going to New York City FC a team that's not playing their best game yet so neither here there away game that we should be we should (laughs) we should we should be winning and and Eric nails it right City Field Yankee Stadium Massachusetts I don't care beat the New York Vagabonds yeah you're right it's 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 a good team don't get me wrong but it's also not the team that's in form right now Right. And so I guess let's let's segue with that, Jose. We didn't want to run too long tonight anyway. We all got a busy nights and busy day ahead of us. Um, Dave, with to Jose's point, this is not the same NYCFC team, yeah. and we are kind of hitting our form right now with six unbeaten matches. What are your score predictions, your goal predictions uh, for um, Saturday night? I think, again, I think it'll be a tough game. So I think you... Yeah. We've seen over the, there have been tight games over recent years. I think the only real game where it's been quite a wide margin was the game where Jose got sent off in a bizarre moment where he got punched or out by the guy. I think it ended two 0 oh, yeah. But um, yep. I, th- I think I can't. I'll say two one Union. Of course, my uh, a great shout for a nil nil draw in Colorado paid off. Um, <laughs> as did my Bedoya goal in uh, the bet for the boys in blue. Uh, but I go two one. I think the Union they might concede, which again will. You know, perhaps again conceding goal on the road, perhaps Jim won't be happy with that. But I think they they've got enough about them to come out with the win. I would like to see them play the exact same starting eleven that they did start against New England because why change a uh, sure. why change a winning lineup? I don't disagree with that, Jose. How about you? Well, to give some more context, according to Google, we here are the winning probabilities. You have a twenty eight percent chance for a draw. 28% chance for a Philadelphia Union win and a 44% chance for a New York City win. And when you look at the last five matches, head-to-head record, one win by New York City, one draw, and three wins by Philadelphia. So something's not adding up there for me in, in terms of the winning probability, especially the form that we're in going away. Um, but my thinking is that we're going to see a three, one win for the Philadelphia union. I think we will have a, the tight space uh, will lead to at least one PK. Daniel Gastag uh, will Hell score yeah. it. And I think we will see, a header by Damian Logo in. Uh, he's got height, and especially when corner kicks are a little bit closer in that size field, I think that a Damian Logo will capitalize on that. And then finally, Julian Carranza on open play when the game gets stretched out a little bit, though it's tough to say stretched out when it's going to be a shoebox. Um, but I think Talos Magno will make us pay for it in some way, shape, or form a goal inside of the 18. So a 3-1, Gastag, PK, Carranza open play, and Damian Logo goal, and then Car- um, Talos Magno scoring. Dave, did you mention your goal scores, or did I miss that? Um, I did not, actually. Um, I'll go Mikerua and hmm, Kai Wagner. Oh, oh, again. Again here. Dave, uh, let's save those for the offseason. <laughs> Eric, with 3-1, has a conference champs ring to it. There you go. I like it. So, Dave, uh, you also did get the the boys in blue uh, winner this past week because you did mention Gazdog scoring a goal. So, yeah, listen, oh, yeah. Bedoya, the Bedoya – uh, decision was not you know what we wanted, but the, the God's dog one was. So I'll give you the credit there. I I am not as optimistic as you guys. I feel like I'm still a little weary about that field. I think the probability, Jose, is just simply because they're on the road, and it's nothing more than that. Also, right. the Union have only won once in New York City ever, so I don't know how much of that's going into it. I'm I'm gonna go with a one-one draw. Only because I, I do think that the field will cause the problems for us. We won't have the same space we had against Colorado or DC or even the Revs. So I'm going to go 1 1. I hope I'm very wrong. I hope both of you are correct. So I will <laughs> concede that right away. I just, that's, I'm just going to go with my gut there. Um, and I'm going to go with, with a, a Carranza goal. I think Carranza's in, in decent form right now. He's playing fine. I think he'll get another goal and, and 
keep it what he'll be three goals in four days in four games, right? And it's or, happy yeah. birthday to him today. It's, it's his birthday today, yeah. so he's just getting yeah. revved up to, to score a goal uh, against New York City FC. So, uh, any last thoughts, guys, on on New York City before we wrap up the show? It'll be great to beat them. I, I hope that we're able to beat them. You know, this I think this is a prime match where we can sneak away. <laughs> yeah. <Dave laughs> Thank you, Eric. Zero zero at City Field. This is, I think this is one I that like we it. can we can feel really good uh, to sneak away with um, with a win. Um, places like Cincinnati and Nashville sneaking away with a tie, we feel great. But something yeah. like you know New York City FC away or New York Red Bulls away, we can feel we can feel really good about a win. Uh, so hopefully that's what we get. Agree. Um, so let me read the sponsors off. Or Dave, do you have any last thing before I read the sponsors? Um, I was going to say I think the game, the, the one game the Union had one in New York was the game last year where yep. I think I think Bedoya scored an early goal and then Jack. Uh, got was sent off initially for a penalty, which was overturned. <laughs> yes, that's right. And, yeah. then, and then the union went down the other end and scored, and just basically sat back <laughs> and just absorbed pressure and let go of all possession for six for like seventy five minutes. Um, so fingers crossed, we might. It's a bit of a. Uh, I'll take the same result, but hopefully, from a viewing perspective, it's a bit more of an open game, and you know the union can you know take advantage, catch up on the counter attack, and hopefully play some nice stuff like they played on the. Uh, on Saturday. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to read the sponsors and we'll call it, close it up for tonight. So first we have Statement Games. Check out statementgames.com for a funny way to fantasy sports entertainment. You can win gift cards and prizes free to sign up at statementgames.com. You have Dome Distillery at the Trolley Barn Public Market in Quakertown. Go to domedistillery.com to check out their wide variety of drinks and spirits. You have Vinny's Pizza and Restaurant in Allentown. Discover a new favorite by trying their top pizzas and so much more. Check out their new website at vinnyspizzarestaurant.com. Stuff to the Grills at 6750 Iroquois Trail Number 5 in Allentown, PA, or at StuffToTheGrills.com for their homemade hot and cold sandwiches, salads, appetizers, and baked goods available for any event. Memorial Day weekend, right? Have a, a barbecue? Go to StuffToTheGrills.com. And then lastly, across the pitch and gear and all AAT Sports Network gear at AATSportsNetwork.com. shop And also, one more lastly here, we have margoreadstudio.com or margoreadstudio on IG. Jose, you mentioned it earlier with her photographs from Wednesday. They were beautiful. I put out a few of them on TikTok, which is the same handle you see below on my screen uh, right there, as well as we've been released on Twitter. So Margo, we met her on Wednesday. Very nice, very nice lady. Uh, she was had a great time. Um, all, all the people we introduced her to were very friendly, so I appreciate every time I giving her a warm welcome. But we had there a great go. we had a great time. The photographs came out phenomenal. She got the picture of Kai Wagner kissing Blake through the netting, which came out spectacular. So I was very happy to see that. So anybody uh, wants to check out a photographer in the north, you know, the Philadelphia area, please check out Margot Reed. And again, that is our sponsor Reed tonight. Jose, any last thought? No, I, I'm actually very proud that Margo was able to get credentialed. I think it's it's something that we as a uh, podcast should be very, very proud about to have three individuals being credentialed. I think it's a testament yeah. to the work that we're putting out there and how much people are starting to believe in the work that we're putting out there. So I, yeah. I, I thank Margo for joining us uh, whenever she gets a chance. But, but certainly, again, um, all of our listeners, whether it's live or downloads or whatever, however you're listening or watching, um, thank you so much. We honestly do it for you and we hope that you enjoy what we're putting out. Yeah. Agreed. Hell thank yeah. you, Dave. Last thought on your birthday yeah. here. I mean, nothing really again. Just, it's awesome to see, you know, Margo being able to you know, get in there and, you know, being able to shoot again, be able to shoot our, you like, get photos of our union, be able to provide us with some awesome photos. And, you know, it's great to, for her to add to her portfolio. Cause I think again, like, Football's football is a sport where you can get some incredible photos like the Kai Wagner and Andre Blake one that you know can last for years and then photos that you that people look back on for years to come. It's it's it'd be a, it's a great thing and I'm I'm delighted for her and I'm delighted that we have her as you know on, on our team and you know being able to contribute for AT Sports and you know across the pitch is awesome to have her. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was, it, I was telling Jose, she's not, he obviously comes from like a basketball background. She's done obviously different personal events, weddings, that stuff. She's never really had a soccer, um, event to cover that, that I can remember, uh, from com uh, our conversations together. Mm -hmm. 
and it almost kind of intrigued me. It's like, what will she capture that's different compared to a soccer photographer? How would the angles be different? I thought she did a phenomenal job. The pictures came out, like I said, great. So hopefully she's back with us soon. I know she's traveling. She's getting married. A, a very busy life she's got over there. So Yeah. Actually, Mike, a, a lot of really good feedback from friends who are photographers who asked what her equipment was. And when I shared what her equipment was after asking her, they were amazed at how good she was to capture those moments with what she has obviously she doesn't have uh the equipment to shoot sports so they were all wondering how how did she get that picture so uh i think it's again a testament to her work and we're really excited to have her join matches at, at subaru whenever we get a chance absolutely all right and my final thought be uh listen we have a lot of breaks now with the union before we get to the league's cup so it's kind of nice to take a breather here so I've been appreciating that little less soccer, um, but otherwise it's, it's just, you know, it was a busy day today in the office and at home. So gentlemen, appreciate you taking my time tonight and, and chat. I almost didn't make it tonight to today's episode. Um, so I was good. I was glad to squeak it in and, Hell yeah. and, and do one more episode with you guys. And again, next Monday, 845, same time, same channels, AT sports network. You can follow we'll us at our, at our handles below our screens here. Dave GFC Miller, Jose R. Nunez, 91. Embraer 1323. That's across the pitch. Happy Monday night. Oh, yeah. Go Union. Duke. Go Union. Duke. Good night, everybody.